the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you, who the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Rumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola. I go by the name of Spud, Spud Goodman. Would you be where you are had there not been a sex tape? No. Welcome, one and all, to this ongoing radio experiment. I can call this show an experiment as we're still not a, you know, a big monster hit radio program like that Dave Ramsey or, or Delilah Lady. I think her name is Delilah, right? Yeah. I mean, the stuff that millions of people listen to. And the way I look at it is, if you're still experimenting, then no one can give you a final grade on what you're working on, right? So hang in there with us for the next 58 or so minutes, as you might find you kind of like it. <sighs> right now, I need to introduce our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. I'm in the mood for a good guffaw. C- can you serve one up? All righty. Here goes. <laughs> oh, what do you think? Hey, maybe in your top five all guffaw, great. all-time guffaws. Great. Could have been maybe in the top two all-time guffaws. Well, well done. Wow. So now I have no choice but to introduce our temporary permanent co-host, uh, Gerald Holcomb. Maybe wiggle your ears or something to formally acknowledge I did my job and introduce you. Uh you know I can't wiggle my ears, Spud. But and and how does one do that? I, I'm not a rabbit, you know. <laughs> oh, okay, then go with your nose. I I know you said in the past you can't do it, but you did used to dig Bewitched. Samantha could wiggle her nose uh, all day long. Yeah. Give it another shot. It cannot be that hard. No, no. I, I'm not going to embarrass myself and try to wiggle my ears or nose. Can I just say instead how excited I am for the show? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, we've and, heard and our that's. You know, just about every week, can you toss off something a bit more fresh? Uh, Something that hasn't been just worn out. Fine. All right. Uh, How about, I'm not only excited, I'm exploding with anticipation for what we will be bringing the listeners. Seek immediate medical help for an erection lasting more than four hours. How about that line? It was was all right, but maybe a little too sexual for our younger listeners? Hey, that's what I was thinking, too. Oh, heavens, that that statement was not meant to have any sexual overtones. My bad. That's that's very upsetting. What I said could be misinterpreted in that manner? Hey, no harm, no foul, don't worry. So there's something I wanted to bring up, and and yeah, it might be best to do this off the air, but, but if we did it on the air, then it's public record, and there's, you know, no way anyone... You know, can deny it later. Or, or staff here in the studio, can, there's no way they could say they weren't formally notified of my request. That's that's my wait. Thinking wait, are you going to bring up your sensitivity to aftershave lotion and perfume? No, I'm uh, no. I just want you to know I'm not using any foreign substance right now, Spud. Not hmm. even deodorant, as I know you say you are very prone to suffer migraines. Seriously. Well, I I hope you at least use soap when you shower. Uh, but, well, of but course. But no, that's not what I was going to bring up. 
Oh, you know, you what? know I, was... I, I do occasionally, yeah. Spud. I, I splash a very minor amount of Old Spice behind my ears each morning. Uh, my wife loves the stuff, but uh, I'm sure it dissipates significantly by the time we get to the studio here, so nobody oh, can probably no. smell it. I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. Well, can you maybe switch to, say, chaps? I've been meaning to Chaps. ask you for months. I just can't stand Old Spice. Just think oh. about it, all right? Hmm. But that is that too is not what I was going to bring up on the show. What I feel is needed is a clear display of loyalty to me by the staff here in the studio. I think it would do wonders for morale. You know, I don't feel we have a morale problem with staff members, Spud. Oh, I certainly haven't picked that up. Whose morale is down? Well, me, for one. Oh, I was thinking, what might give me like a boost in confidence is if everyone pledged their loyalty to me. It would only take a few minutes. And it only makes common sense. Yeah. Are, are you serious about this? You, you want us to pledge our loyalty to you? Uh, really? Even family members? Well, Aunt Dorothy, you could probably get a waiver. Oh, I guess so. Didn't you go on a rant when our current president had his staff do something like this at a cabinet meeting? Well, yeah, Spud, you called Trump a weak little weasel when he ordered all of his people to kiss his ass publicly. Well, I know, but I thought about it more, a lot more, and, and it's not a bad idea. I mean, that old uh, broke clock is right twice a day saying is still true, even with Trump. I myself, well, you know, keep picking up the vibe. Everyone on this show hates my guts <laughs> and thinks I'm not a legitimate talk show host. So who wants to go first? Uh, okay, well, okay, I guess, uh, okay, I will. Uh, here goes. Okay. <clears throat> Spud Goodman, it is an honor to work for you as your co-host. That's it? That's all you got? Yeah, okay, but uh, give me a minute, and I can add to it. Uh, I, I just, I need to gather my thoughts here. Too late, you know? If you have to stop um, and gather anything, then it's not from the heart. Well. I mean, true loyalty does not need to be gathered up. Mm, mm. Do, do you think I'm going to buy insincere loyalty? I am severely disappointed in you. In me? Yes. Anyway, I'm, right now I'm supposed to introduce our musical guest Kai Alfred Hillig, but but instead of him playing live right now, I'm going to play a killer song off his new album, Fossil. It's titled Impotent Summer, and I'll be speaking with him a little later on in the program. And he, then he will be performing a song, you know, here live in the studio. So hit it.
Since lovers could touch The lone broken horn of the new garbage truck Brings to mind the song that I wish that we'd sing Oh impotent summer, what a glorious hang
This is the Spy Goodman Show. This is the Spy Goodman Show. Hey, this is Jeff Foxworthy, and I've reached the pinnacle of my career. I'm on the Spud Goodman Show. All right. Hey, uh, Spud, your first guest, Jordan Klepper, is on hold for you right now. You know, his new show on Comedy Central is pretty darn good. Very subtle satire done quite well, I must say. You know, I found the shows on Comedy Central tend to make fun of President Trump. And then you wonder why some people don't like me, folks. <laughs> I, you know, I guess I tend to see things differently than most comedians these days. Well, I think they take the facts and uh, go from there. It's not a comedian's fault that, that Trump does and says idiotic things every single day. They deal with the truth. Yeah, facts and friends starts right now. I mean, the guy's embarrassed this country, and it's going to take years to recover. <sighs> anyway, you still feel good about your vote, by the way? You tired of all that winning? Well, not at all. And I would absolutely vote for him again. He is a true leader. You dick! All right, my head's exploding right now. Just just put Jordan through. I, just, yeah, I don't yeah, even know what I'm going to do. Okay, here he is. Say hello to Comedy Central's Jordan Klepper. Thanks much for visiting with us. But thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay, let's discuss your show, The Opposition, with Jordan Klepper that airs Monday through Thursday at 11.30 p.m., 10.30 Central on Comedy Central. Who are you opposing? I'm opposing everybody, everybody who's against me. I'm anti-establishment. I'm anti-mainstream. I'm anti-helping the world move forward in a progressive direction. Uh, I, I don't quite know what I'm for, but I'll tell you what I'm against. Okay, super. Um, can, um, this is just me, but I know there are clowns on both sides, uh, but, you know, that word both sides has been bleached beyond recognition these days. One side, you know, can be totally culpable on some things, and history's recording it right now for kids in future civics classes. I mean, that is true. I, it's, it, it, it feels like a whole new time. We are, I think what we got excited about with this show was, you know, we're joking about this idea of being anti, anti, anti everything because we started to see bubbling up in, in American culture, especially over this Trump campaign. We started to see these fringe media sources kind of concoct their own news, kind of being farther and farther on the outside, getting brought back into the inside. And you're like, oh, we are as a country starting to choose the news that makes us feel better about ourselves, the news that validates our own uh, opinions, to the point that like we're having press briefings right now where people are denying things that are said minutes before on tape. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think you stumbled on a good point. Like, oh, years from now, people will look back on this and say, like, why were you guys so confused? You know you were telling two different narratives, right? And you'll be like, uh, I don't know. That was a, that was a crazy time. Yeah, well, hey, can you explain what the term mainstream media really means? We've discussed this term numerous times on, on this show. Does, does that mean, like, Fox News, what they're really saying is that any media that rejects Hillary shot Vince Foster? <laughs> uh, I think that's where we're at right now. I think right now, mainstream is being defined as other. Like, if it's against what you feel, yeah. you can call it mainstream, and now that is pejorative. Where it is, I think it's it's comical to see Fox News and Fox and Friends rail against mainstream media when they have the ratings to put them right at the top, and the President of the United States is tweeting at them, telling them about how good a job they're doing, and they're <laughs> and they're anti-mainstream. It, it does make you question, like, what are we really referencing right here? It's like, oh, we're vilifying something that is other than what we think. And so, and that seems to be the term of the day. 
All right. Well, you know, I've seen a number of your field segments, and you are fearless. Any close calls fending off irate subjects when you're done shooting? <laughs> uh, yeah, we've definitely had some where I, the, the look in the eye and the uh, the clench of the fitch, fist has caused me to uh, to move off really quickly. I think there's. Uh, I went to a lot of Trump rallies over this uh, past election cycle, and they got fairly contentious, and, and less so because I was, you know, my interactions with people, but just being the, the presence of media there was something that was scorned. We were followed the the last few times we went to Trump rallies. We were followed by people who were convinced we were working for the CIA and working for Hillary Clinton. And so there was just this, this air of paranoia that uh, kind of made it somewhat of a, a dangerous and delicate place to be. So you were basically dealing with the InfoWars crowd, huh? Basically? We, we definitely were. And that was even part of the ideas for this, this show. Is as I was going to those rallies, I would talk to people and where they were getting a lot of their news, they were getting it from InfoWars, they were getting it from other online sources, Breitbart, like these alt, alt sites. It was like, oh, this, is, this seems to be what's fueling a lot of this energy. Huh. Well, let's let's talk the process. Just how tough is it these days for you, you know, to satirically take on current events when untouched, pristine reality is often funny enough without any comedic work? It, it's is it a challenge? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, what we what we try to do is we try to take that mindset and the way in which. Uh, Kind of with this, we, we, we see reality go to crazy town so quickly because there's there is this paranoia, there is this ability to choose the news that makes you feel like you are right, and so for us, what we do is like we get to adopt that point of view, the opposition. I get to be this paranoid uh, guy who sees enemies everywhere. Um, so I think what we what what is a fun, what it gives us permission to do is take small stories and create those culture wars as well. So like what we we see it happen with Neil Gate and the NFL and what have you, where you're like, oh, suddenly this is now a culture war. Donald Trump just took what was happening at uh, uh, NFL that started a year ago, and he made this a giant culture war. Now we're all arguing over the flag and whether or not players should be kneeling or standing. It's like, oh, great, so let's take that point of view, and we can now talk about skeletons, and how skeletons are the enemy within. Like, we can, we can, project, we can project culture wars on anything and create enemies out of anything. And for that, that's kind of where some of our satire lives. Yeah, I kind of think we're living in a like a Hunter Thompson esque uh, opium infused nightmare with without Nixon maybe, but but Trump's a decent fill in. I don't know, just my take. <laughs> it does. It definitely feels like that. Or if not, that's at least a coping mechanism for us. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that as a prescription. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's off the record, by the way. So <laughs> fair l- enough. Let me ask you: How much editorial freedom does Comedy Central give you in the daily production of the show? Do they send you a ton of notes? They're they're actually great partners with us on this, uh, and they have been with the Daily Show as well. Like they they trust us, and I think the the show moves so fast. Like they you know we we check in and we have conversations uh, about the show and about where we're going. But day in and day out, it's on us to like sift through the news and the way in which we see it and the way in which we want to present it, and we go from our gut. And I think we've been lucky that the network has trusted us with that. Ah, oh, super. Uh, excuse me, Spud. Yes. But aren't you envious of how Comedy Central? Suits allowed Jordan complete control over his his total editorial content? Yeah, well... Well, I mean, you continue to be harassed by our executive producer, Lori, and you must get 20 notes a show from her, right? Uh, hey, Jordan, just give me a brief moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, those notes sent via email from her are an, as annoying as hell, but between you and me, I flagged all of her stuff as spam, and now they're sent right to the trash. It's sort of the cycle of life for annoying emails. Why would you say this over the air? You know she's listening somewhere right now. 
Yeah, yeah, maybe that wasn't too smart no. on my behalf. Okay, not all of them are sent directly to trash. I've glanced at a couple in the last few months. Well, you know I have a problem with authority myself, Spud, but I've always been worried about you and your self-destructive behavior career-wise. Now, I know, I'm sorry I, I brought it up. Just get back to Jordan. Yeah, okay. Hey, man, I'm back. Okay. Well, you previously hosted a Comedy Central special, Jordan Klepper Solves Guns. So, how long did it take you to come up with a solution, and, and did you face much opposition from the gun lobby? Well, uh, I, I hate to say, but we didn't get a final solution to that. Uh, oh. Spoiler alert. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, the, what Too we bad. came closest to on that was, like, for, for me, I was really excited about that issue. I covered gun control a lot on The Daily Show. And what I started to see was, like, the conversation was being hijacked by the gun lobby and in a way that made this country feel much more divided on the gun issue than it really is. And so what was exciting for me in that special was to talk to a lot of people on both sides who really were much more moderate. And I do think, like, the takeaway for me was, like, oh, if, if we take away the 5% of gun owners who are part of the NRA and the 100 people who speak to the NRA, like, what you have is most Americans who just want to figure out a way to keep guns out of the hands of people who can do harm with them. Like, we, we all want that. And I think there is a conversation that can be had that can be productive around uh, common sense gun control. And what's so frustrating is that conversation keeps getting hijacked by just a very small amount of people who are controlling it. With a whole lot of money. A whole lot of money, and they, they know how to activate, they know how to control small elections, and they know how to give that money to, um, uh, to people in power, even on the, the small state level, so that there is no conversation taking place. All right, well, let me close with this. we got to get going here, but w what are the long-term goals of, of Jordan Klepper after, say, 10 or 12 seasons of your current show? In, like, five <laughs> words or less. All right, that'll, that'll work. All right, super. Yeah, well, if, if, if I get through 10 years of this thing and the Trump administration and the following Trump administration and for some reason the third Trump administration, uh, then I'm going to take uh, a legal nap. Uh, let's go on that. Let's end on that. Uh, I want to remind yeah. everyone that The Opposition with Jordan Klepper is airing Monday through Thursdays at 11.30 p.m., 10.30 Central on Comedy Central. Thank you again for coming on our show. Of course, but thank you. Mr. Jordan Klepper. There's still more fun and excitement in store in the second half of the Spud Goodman Radio Show right after this brief intermission. Hi, I'm Dahlia. And Lucian. And we're Pigs now. Pigs now. And we are on. And we are on. This is Dahlia and Lucian. And we are Pigs Now. We are, and we are Pigs Now. We are playing at the Spud Goodman Show. Thank you, Mr. Goodman. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hey, uh, Spud. Yes. I'm being told that our show's resident psychic, Ted Marr, is holding for you. All right, good. Do us plug. Let's go. Oh, okay. Uh, Ted Marr's Out of This World can be heard each Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. on KKNW, 11.50 a.m. in Seattle, and on the web everywhere else. Please say hello to 
to our show, Psychic Mr. Ted Marr. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm fine, Spud. It's really good to talk to you. Right. So I've been wondering if maybe you could connect with our country's founding fathers on that psychic phone line or whatever it is you guys use to make contact with dead people. You know, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, those those guys. I'm talking pre-Putin here. (laughs) I have talked to uh, Benjamin Franklin before. Oh, yeah, he's in there. He's in that group. He's interesting. He's definitely interesting. Once in in Thomas Jefferson, I haven't connected with George Washington, um, but I have connected with um, Ben Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, the most. All right, super. Well, I, I got to believe they're freaked out now seeing what's going on in the White House, or, or I should say maybe Mar-a-Lago. Every day I flip on TV and I'm scared to see the latest drip of you know of information coming out regarding some wacky conspiracy theory. Ask them if they ever gave much thought to coming up with a with you know a plan B if this country ever had such a hashtag clown a, as a president. You know, I'm so glad you asked me that because um, there is a quote that Benjamin Franklin has given me now, and he said back in 1787, those who would give up um, liberty for security deserve neither. And that's, uh, unfortunately, uh, so much of we've given up in the last, I don't know, since 9-11 has been so much security for, uh, so much liberty for, for security. And Ben Franklin said like two or three hundred years ago, he said that, that it, it, it's not a trade-off. You always should have, the, the, the country was founded on liberty. Yes. And, uh, and, and it's interesting he came through just now with that, with that quote. All right, thank him for that. Well, let me ask you this: Could it, ask Alexander Hamilton. You know, he's in that posse. What do you thinks of the play about him? See if he would pay a couple hundred bucks to see it. <laughs> he would. He would. He would. Right. He would. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> all right. Can, can you ask all of them if if they had to deal with fake news in their day? I, I know cable wasn't around, obviously, so there was no Fox News. But were there town criers out there spreading misinformation to influence the vote? I'm, I, I hope. I'm betting maybe there must have been a, a hero like Shep Smith back then too, fighting to correct the mistruths. <laughs> You're so funny. Actually, oh, Ben serious. Franklin. Is- yeah, Ben Frank, Benjamin Franklin. Uh, there wasn't so-called fake news back then, but Benjamin Franklin has the perspective of time being on the other side. He's been around for hundreds of years now, yeah. and he said there was one other leader in the recent history who also who banned fake news, and that was Adolf Hitler in the 1930s Germany. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Remember that guy? And, yeah, that um, guy. Yeah, that guy, and he did it in an attempt to um, to silence the free press. And we all know what happened since that time. So um, it's I, I, they're all saying the founding fathers are all saying, and the founding mothers too, because they all had mothers, and you know, it was a, a group thing. Spud, what? Well, I can't let that last remark go without trying to correct the record. There were no founding mothers. The women back then knew what role they were born to play, and they did not try to interfere in the work of the founding fathers. Did you graduate from that Bob Jones University? Where do you get these caveman talking points? I have stated previously, I have a BA in business from BYU. Right, right, okay, right. Did you get a minor, though, in prehistoric philosophy? No. Just let me get back to Ted. Well, Ted, you're a psychic, so can you look into the future and give us all a heads up on how this American horror story is going to end? I hope heavily happily ever after, as I hate hashtag sad endings. <laughs> I spend I spend quite a bit of time in the in the other higher dimensions, and I do talk to my spirit friends all the time about about the future. And I just finished a book. Um, it's going to be published in the next couple of months on 
on the future. And and their messages from from all these beautiful, great spirits, um, uh, including Ben Franklin, about our future. And we have a very bright and beautiful future ahead of us. Good. It doesn't mean to say, yeah, which is good, but it doesn't mean that, that um, it's going to be an easy road. Sure, we're going to face challenges, but... Um, uh, but even even negative things, you can always turn lemonade, lemons into lemonade. So that sure really? we've got we've got, yeah, <laughs> yeah you can you can. I heard that one when I was little, but okay, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, we'll go with that so, then. I guess that's a, yeah. a, a up way to end this segment. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate the information. Um, thanks so much for checking in with us again. Oh my 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 pleasure, but it's always fun to talk to you. All right, our resident psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. This is the Spud Goodman Show. We sure got the surprise of our lives. Is this uh, Mr. Tommy Chung? Who's calling? Uh, this is Spud Goodman. You remember me? Who? Spud Goodman. Who? Uh, I kind of have a radio show. Uh, Spud's not here. Sorry. Uh, this is Spud Goodman. Who's calling? Spud Goodman. Who? Spud Goodman. It's Spud, S-P-U-D. Spud's not here. Okay, so... Spud, can we dispense with further public pronouncements of support for you? I was willing to step up well, and speak for everyone in saying that we are thankful that you choose to work with us. You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. It would be nice to hear from some other staff members, too. How about a couple of the interns? You know, I've often felt that they don't really have a great deal of respect for me and what I do. <sighs> okay, very well. Um, hey, Chance? Chance, can you can you come over to the mic here Why for a second? Why are you bothering Chance? After all, he is one of the sharper interns. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of the best and the brightest of the whole bunch. Yes, okay. Stand right here. Okay, go ahead, Chance. Tell Spud that you are grateful for the opportunity to work for him on this show. You can't tell him what to say. Well, that detracts from the power of his loyalty pledge. Go ahead, man. Just just say what's in your heart. Um, it's not that bad doing my internship here on the show. I mean, I am bored most of the time, but I have a friend who's doing his at an advertising agency in Seattle, and he says it totally blows there. Okay. 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 Uh, go ahead and tell Spud how he is a role model for you <laughs> interns. Uh, you know, that, that maybe someday you too will host your own radio show. Why would I want to do that? Radio is so over these days. I want to direct, you know, make movies. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. The movies? Hmm. Being a talk show host is not that lame. Come on. And you make it sound like it's in there with being a telemarketer or a life insurance salesman. My dad sells life insurance. It's not that bad of a job. Oh, He Spud. owns a Lamborghini. Oh, Spud, oh, wow. really? Good Leave deal. him be. Okay, but, but would it kill the kid to say he looks up to me and is grateful for this gig? I mean, come on. Well, we don't get paid, you know, but I still appreciate this internship as it's really close to my apartment. So thanks, Spud. Will that do? Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, just go back and resume playing video games on your phone, man. Get him out of here! Okay. Right away. All right, okay. So are you feeling a bit better now, Spud? There, there's a lot of love for you in this studio. Yeah, after all, you are my nephew. Uh, well, thank you, Aunt Dorothy. You know how important loyalty has been to me since I was little. 
Yes, I do. I remember when your mom was the den mother for your scout pack, and you coerced her into passing around a printout that said you were the top Cub Scout in America that year. Yes, I was. Ah, uh, Yeah, but I knew that document was phony, of well. course. But, boy, you never looked so happy. That constant frown of yours was nowhere to be seen. Well, I vividly remember that proclamation. I still have it somewhere in my sock drawer. Really? Now, that was a real pledge of loyalty from my mom. You know, I thought mine was pretty good. What's your name, scumbag? Just just check and see if our next guest is ready to go, okay? If you can muster up the effort. All right, okay. Um, oh, yes, and I'm, I'm being told by the board that your next guest, Patty Schemmel, is waiting to speak with okay, you. Okay, cool. You know, Patty was in and around the explosion of the Seattle music scene in the early 90s when every A&R rep from around the world was camping out in town, you know, looking for any band that could play a song or two to sign a record deal. It was crazy, totally crazy. I do remember reading about this in the paperback uh, then, but I'm not real up on those rock and roll bands that created all the fuss. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! You're not familiar with Nirvana? Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Mudhoney, Tad, and a buttload of other bands too, but I don't have the time right now to go through all of them with you in this tutorial. You, you know, Patty later joined up with Courtney Love, you know, in her band Hole, and, and was their drummer. <laughs> Hole? That, that's yes. a that's a band. Yes. Um, I think it'd be actually. Yeah, they sold a few million records. Huh. You know, Patty is a killer drummer who's led a fascinating life. So just put her on and let me talk with yeah, her. Oh, very well. Here she is. Please welcome musician and author Patty Schimmel to the show. Uh, thanks much for checking in with us. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And so you have a new book out, uh, and it is uh-huh. titled Hit So Hard, a memoir that details your career yeah. in the rock world. It's now available everywhere, so people need to just ask for it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, let's yep. let's deal with it. So you had an up-close and personal view of the Seattle music scene in the 90s. I also witnessed it, but but from the sidelines, it truly was a great time to catch live music, though, for sure, wouldn't you say? It, yes, it was. And, I, you know, I in in my story, in one of my earlier bands, Doll Squad, we played your show. Yes. You had a show, as I'm telling you what you... <laughs> uh, it was Bud Goodman's show. It was a... Um, a Every cool band in town played on your show, and I remember wanting to be on it too. And we got, we played, I think, two songs. Um, and this was maybe in the late '80s. Oh, 88, I remember 89. it. I clearly remember it. <laughs> yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah it was I mean, uh, all. Awesome. Yeah. It would. It, it, yeah. And I actually, I still have that. I got to dig that out, that file out. Maybe I'll send it your way. But anyway. Yes, please. Um, yeah. But, you know, there were so many great bands playing nightly, and uh, it was so tough in those days to, just to figure out who you were going to go see. Yeah, yeah, I remember um, uh, playing around, you know, there, there was downtown Seattle, there was all those clubs, and then there was also the great scene in Tacoma and Olympia. Um, yep. And so it was, a, it was a great time, and it was just kind of before um, everything just took off. Right. 92. Right. Well, you know, in that era, women kind of finally took charge and carved out their own space. And what it was basically a boys' club in town, and or basically yes. probably everywhere. But things changed in that era, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I saw so many more women playing in punk rock. At least it, I saw more women playing instruments and being in bands in town in Seattle, and uh, uh, then naturally started playing and playing in 
other bands with women and playing shows. Right. Well, I got to ask you, at what age did you decide to be a drummer? I was 11. Oh. Yeah, and I I would play along to whatever was on the you know local rock station on my headphones and um, until I discovered punk rock and then uh, then I found other weird freaks like me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, uh, say say Spud. Yes. Well, have I ever mentioned that I too was a musician? I played the trumpet in grade school and I was pretty darn good too. I, I was second chair in our school band. I'd like to think I could have been a successful professional musician if my dad had not accidentally lost my trumpet. Uh, Patty, I need to take just a brief break here, just a sec. Are you sure he lost it accidentally? Really? I mean, how often did you play the thing around the house? Oh, I, I don't know. Pretty much every night before I'd go to bed. Okay, then. Like Patty, I would play along to songs on the radio. You know, like uh, Chicago and uh, 1910 Fruit Gum Company. Oh, now you know why I never had kids of my own. Yeah, I'm with you on hey. that one for sure, Aunt Dorothy. Okay, I got to get back to Patty. Okay, I have returned. Okay. Let, let's, let's go back and do a little history here. In 1992, yep. 1992 you, you joined Hole after a recommendation from Kurt Cobain. Is it a true story you were once considered as a drummer for Nirvana before Dave Grohl signed on? Is that is that true? I don't know. You know, I mean, it, it, Kurt has said that. Um, I was never, um, no one ever contacted me and said, hey, do you want to try out or anything? But um, he did recommend me for Hole, so that's how I got into playing drums with You could have handled it. I mean, you got skills. I mean, you definitely got skills. So, anyway. <laughs> All right. You. you know, my recollection of the music scene back then was uh, with, with Courtney that she was somewhat of a polarizing figure within the music community. In the early days of Hole, how, how much drama and tension was there? Or was it just smooth sailing? I'm just, just curious. Yeah, no, definitely not smooth sailing, but... Um, you know, when when I was in a I was in a band called Sybil, we opened for Hole um, in their early incarnation of Hole, and mm -hmm. I'd heard so many different you know myths and rumors. You know, like you know she was Jerry Garcia's illegitimate daughter, or she was the heir to the Bauschenlam Corporation. <laughs> like all these crazy sort of rumors would swirl around, and um, so eventually, when uh, I did you know, join Hole, um, I, I was kind of interested in like, what, you know, who is this person? So, um, yeah, and there, of course, there was the drama around her being Kurt's wife and, and constantly trying, you know, once I joined Hole, we had to sort of, you know, prove ourselves as an actual band and not just Kurt's wife band. Right, right. Well, later you left the band during the Celebrity Skin recording sessions in, I think, 98 due to musical differences. Uh, also, during yeah. that period, you, you were dealing with substance abuse issues too, correct? Yes. And that, that sort of is, you know, a, a musical differences is always a, a nice way of saying I was a drug addict and couldn't hack it. And <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was a real, um, there were um, some issues around a, a producer for that record and, um, and the band was taking a definite, uh, different direction, a more, you know, uh, kind of a, a, they were looking at uh, being a little more slick. and Mainstream, um, a little bit more? Yes, that would be the word. And yeah. also, I was dealing with, you know, in and out of rehab constantly in that cycle. And, 
not really, you know, up for any kind of, um, you know, uh, creating a record or writing. So um, eventually I ended up, you know, leaving the band and getting, um, and after that, you know, homeless from my drug addiction. And um, so the book is, is a lot about that journey and, you know, having that feeling of like hopelessness. Mm-hmm. but then um, making it through to the other side. What, what was the turning point uh, for you in achieving sobriety? Um, definitely the cliche that you have to lose everything. And I had lost everything and had to sort of, re, sort of change and start over again. And I went into rehab and then into sober living and had to you know, get a day job and, you know, um, just start over and sort of shake my old identity as, you know, the drummer of whole and sort of rebuild myself with not just uh, that, you know, being my only thing that, you know, I do. I, I you know, I kind of shook that old self and um, built some sort of esteem and in, in a new self, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing this with us. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end you. this conversation by reminding everyone that, that your book, Hit So Hard, a memoir, is now available everywhere. And if they can't find it, they need to ask for it, damn it. So, right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, I just I want to thank you so much for calling in. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great to talk to you. There you have it, Ms. Patty Schemmel. This is one of radio's most famous musical productions, the program that brings you the music of a nation that loves to sing and whose songs reflect the beauty and romance inherent in its way of life. This is the Spud Goodman Show. It's musical guest interview time. Please say hello to a very talented man, Kai Alfred Hillig. Welcome back to the show, Kai. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You have a brand new album out titled Fossil, and I must say it is quite amazing. We played a cut off it earlier in the show, and I will say there's no filler on this record. All ten songs are very strong. I'm glad to hear you feel that way. I, I absolutely do. I mean, <laughs> I'm speaking from the heart here. So you, you now perform with a full band live. How different is this for you as you've been a solo act uh, for a great deal of the time in your career so far? Uh, it, it's not too different. It's just a different group of fellows, and uh, you know, I often play with lots of different kinds of people live and uh, try to do what I can to make the record uh, do what it can live. So, how full a lineup uh, did you bring into the studio? How many people participated in this record? Uh, I think like maybe around nine folks or so, something Dang. like that. All right. Um, you know, music can be a very powerful vehicle for social change. Did you feel responsibility at all when sitting down to write Fossil to address issues important to you? Or what was your starting point when you, when you began the record? Yeah, we actually started recording on Inauguration Day. Um, so, yeah, but I also didn't want to, like, beat the drum too hard. I didn't want it to be um, kind of too political. I just wanted it to take a little bit of a, address the emotional uh, kind of wear and tear of what's going on instead of uh, making it all about, you know, uh, he who shall remain nameless. I just wrote that note down. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll review that later when we're done. Um, Fair enough. Uh, okay, I'm going to close with this. Um, 
off the record, looking back in time, were you Team Edward or Team Jacob? It's not going to go any further. Probably Team Jacob, I think, yeah. Okay, all right, super. That's surprising, <laughs> but all right. Okay, well, um, you're going to now perform another cut off the new record, Fossil, uh, which is, by the way, available at your Bandcamp site and uh, other places too, right? Yeah, iTunes and Spotify and so forth, yeah. Super. Um, but this time it's just going to be you and a guitar, so what song are you going to do? I'm going to do a song called uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow One Too Many Times. All right, let's do it. All righty. One too many times 
This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hey, everybody. This is Tom Green, and I'm on the Spud Goodman Show. And uh, this show just annoys the crap out of me, man. I love it. Uh, Spud, I'm, I'm being told we have another caller, but it's not a celebrity. Do you, do you okay. want to take it? What, do you think I only talk to famous people on the phone? Well, Every day I talk to, like, the, the pizza delivery guy or, or the cable company or bill collectors. I'm a man of the people. We're coming for you, globalist! Just put it through. Hey, caller, are you there? Yeah, is this Spud? Yep, that's absolutely. So, what's on your mind, man? Well, I'm a regular listener, and I wanted to pledge my loyalty, if it's Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm not on your staff, but I love the show. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Oh, Spud, you should get this guy to write a positive review for the show on some website, like maybe huh. Entertainment Tonight or Us Weekly. Yeah, good idea, and Dorothy. Hey, hey can you write a, a really glowing review of the show for us and at least put it up on like iTunes and a few other places? What do you sure, think? you bet. All right. So can I pledge my loyalty right now? Lauren, will you accept this for us? I, I guess, but it's, it's not really necessary. You know, I'm basically concerned with the loyalty of those you know here in the studio because you never know who might want to pull like a, a Julius Caesar on me at any time. I'm more of a front-stabbing person. <laughs> Should I salute you too? Nah. I know you can't see me doing nah. it here in my bedroom. No, nah, you can. Nah, I don't think I so. I can if you want. No, nah, I, I, I don't demand Heil Spud when I walk into the room here. Not, I'm not an egomaniac or anything. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's like incredible. Yeah, I, I just want to make sure that those around me have my best interests at heart and respect my talents. As you should. Yeah. If I worked for you, I would make you feel very secure and supported. I know all about right. the anxiety caused when you're with people that could care less about you. My ex-best friend Scott would never pledge his loyalty to me, even though I did everything for him. I mean, once I took all the blame when he forgot his wife's birthday. That's so hot. Oh, did she buy it? Well, no. I'll never do that again. But the point right. is, there yeah. are very few people who are truly loyal, you know? I am yeah. that person, Spud. And I'll be there for you if you need me. Well, we really don't need another intern or anything, but but thank you for your support. Yeah, and, and uh, caller, we've got to go now. But thank you for calling in. We appreciate. Hey, the hey, support. hey, hey! Don't hang up on this caller. That well, that's my job. Oh. Okay, now you can hang up on him. Hey, uh, you should have asked him to at least start a fan club or something. Guys like him are pretty rare. <laughs> Oh, do, do we have his number on caller ID? Hey, have one of the interns call him back right now and tell him to start a freaking fan club. I've always wanted one of those. Uh, all right, now, now I, I got to just take a short break right now and, and get a fresh chilled bottle of Pepto-Bismol. Oh, okay. I, I'm on it, Spud. Sriracha. I now use sriracha on all my food. Too much of it can actually change your mood. Like I will pour it on when at dinner if someone says I'm rude. And though I often then respond with something crude, 
No one seems to really mind, as all my friends are degenerates who act quite lewd. I now use sriracha on all my food, even though it makes my irritable bowel syndrome flare up at times. This is the Spud Goodman Show. What else is there, man? My, how time flies. All right, are you really going to insist on this, Spud? Really? It'll only take a minute. Go ahead. Right now? Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Just do it. Okay, Spud is a sound engineer on the show. I'd like to say what an honor it is to work with you each week. That's it? Yeah, that's all I got. Come on, yo. Okay, whatever. Who's next? Uh, I think Dave, our audio director, is up. Uh, Dave, grab a mic. Uh, Spud, it has been my privilege to serve as your audio director for over 25 years. You have been such a strong leader of our organization. Words cannot express the admiration and respect I hold for you. Thank you, Dave. That was touching. Oh, brother. Uh, should I also say what a visionary you are, too? I think that's something you've mentioned about yourself in the past. No, I think we're good. Okay, and, and our, our video director, TJ, has something to say. TJ? Well, well, Spud, I don't think you totally suck. Yeah. Um, Spud, okay. uh, can I ask what point you're trying to make here? You know, forced public displays of support do not have the legitimacy you desire. What, are you now going to ask that we slap up posters of your face around the studio? No. I've never in my I'm lifetime not, questioned authority. So. But this is pushing my no, limits. I don't, I don't, I don't oh, I would, Gerald. I'm not, Roy, you're yeah. not going to do yeah. that. Yeah. Loyalty, really, it's always been big for Spud. When he was a junior in high school, he ran for class treasurer and put out a petition oh, for yeah, students to sign. Right. And you remember that you remember said that if Anderson? any other one, any anybody but you would be elected, the students would go on a hunger strike. Do you remember that? You do? <laughs> Absolutely. Your, yeah, of and, course I do. And your mother got called to the school for a very intense conference with the I'm principal. I'm amazed you remember it. Hmm. It was it was a totally rigged election, uh-huh. and they said I lost, but I, I knew the truth. Look, alternative facts are not facts. I, I tried to contest the results, but the sellout student body president was backing his buddy who won. He was a fake class treasurer in my mind. And that was my first taste of election tampering. Russia, if you're listening. Uh, you know, if you're trying to make the point with this nonsense that President Trump, by demanding public displays of loyalty from his cabinet, was being unreasonable or egomaniacal, well, I mean, he is our commander in chief and leader of the free world, and you're a, a, I mean, you're a, a radio talk show host. Um, um, you suck! I will admit, when I saw that moron Trump put on that dog and pony show with his staff on TV, I laughed. But now, after further thought, I, th- I think I can understand where he was coming from. People can't figure me out, they can't process me. I don't expect them to. You can't process me with a normal brain. A leader needs to know who's with him and who's maybe on the fence. Remember, Spud, I'm blood, so I really can't be on that fence myself. I never doubted your loyalty for a second, Aunt Dorothy. Good. So you don't trust the loyalty of everyone else in the studio? Wow. Don't be so overly dramatic about it. Uh, I I think it was that other god of yours, Ronald Reagan, that said, trust but verify. Yes! I know for a fact... Right now, I'm going to sleep much better tonight. I appreciate everyone. Anyway, I, I need to wrap this show up now. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye.
The Spud Goodman Show is produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions and recorded at NWCZ Radio. Engineer Mike Renville, executive producer Lori Madsen. Written and directed by Spud Goodman. Associate producer and video director TJ Pites. Production assistants Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent Rob McGee, David Deer, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2017 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. just an intern but how do you guys handle spud's enormous ego Mm. i read about people like him in high school history class it was always ended badly oh i get it spud has had a messiah complex since his early years what'd you do screw up like the beatles and say you were bigger than jesus once he demanded his parents declare his birthday a family holiday yeah, a chance. It must be tough for an intern to be subjected to someone like him, but try not to take everything he says personally. I know, when he continually makes jokes at my expense, he's not serious. Spud is just a very misunderstood man. Underneath it all, he's very sweet. Hi, ho neighborinos! No one has ever called me a phone-worshipping millennial space waster before. I'm not even sure what that means. Well, I think he feels you are too attached to your phone. Yeah, you know, Spud is somewhat of a Luddite. He he hates technology and what it has brought to our lives. Oh, yes. It probably reminds him of his own mortality. Yeah. Your embrace of current gadgetry is probably threatening to him, Chance, as he can barely use his TV remote control. Okay. I'll try and treat him like I do my Uncle Roger. He's an alcoholic and our family just looks the other way when he gets obnoxious. Right. Well, that's what we all try to do. Yeah, you know, just look at him like a little kid who never grew up. He's really like a 12-year-old in an older man's body. A messed up 12-year-old. People can't figure me out. They can't process me. I don't expect them to. You can't process me with a normal brain. But Chance, do try and keep your phone in your pocket when you're around, Spud. For everyone's sake. Okay. Yeah, and just try to remember what my old Little League coach used to say after he spent a few minutes screaming at me, sometimes with spit coming out of his mouth when I made an error or struck out. He told me later that if he wasn't yelling at a player, that meant he didn't care. I I guess Spud must really care about you and I, Chance. Okay. I guess that's one way to look at it. You have been listening to The Spud Goodman Show, another program written and produced by the international staff of United Nations Radio.